All right. So, well, welcome everybody to another episode of the AUR podcast. Um, I'm always excited to bring on people that are very interesting and people that do things uh, not because they want to do it for themselves. I love talking to people that help others, especially veterans and first responders. And today we are just extremely, extremely fortunate to be able to talk to Mr. William Branham. He is the founder of Naked Warrior. As everybody can see on the thing, get naked. We're going to get into what that's all about today. But the thing I want everybody to understand is this man is a, he's a veteran. He's a combat veteran. He's one of the main guys on the front lines that helped defend our freedom for 26 or 27 years, if I read it correctly. 26 years. Yeah. Just like me, retired as a senior chief. So we're in that, in that, uh, in the 2% club, can't trust the even numbers, which is good to go. And, you know, Everything that, that he's doing is to help first responders and uh, military veterans to get through and, and, and become better people. So, William, I'm, I'm super excited to talk to you. I'm grateful, and I just can't wait for everybody that listens to hear all the great things you have to say. So I always like to start off with, let's start from the beginning, kind of give us a background, uh, as much as you want to share of where you started, what got you, and I love to hear the military story as well, what sure. got you into the Navy, and then what was the turning point? We'll get to that after like the pre-up, you know, but give us the background of where you got to where you got today. Okay. So first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I, I really, truly appreciate it. Um, any opportunity I get to be on a, on a podcast and share my story, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, you know, I didn't ever think I wanted to be in the public light, especially given my background, um, because, you know, we were, we were told to be do not advertise the nature of your work and things like that. And I'll go into that in, in a minute. Um, but now I'm like, I, I need to tell more people about who I am and what I've done and like struggles that I've gone through because it, it has helped other people. So I, again, my name is William Branham. Uh, I spent 26 years in the SEAL teams. It's actually not exactly true. I spent 23 of my 26 years in the Navy in the SEAL teams because uh, when I joined the Navy, I... I, uh, I, I made some tactical errors that put me on a ship in Yokosuka, Japan, that uh, it almost prevented me from going to SEAL training. And I, and I wow. completely joined the Navy to become a SEAL. So uh, my background, I, I'm from a little town outside of Meridian, Mississippi. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on there. And uh, I was heavily involved in the Boy Scouts. I was very poor growing up, had kind of a defeatist attitude. But I always knew I wanted to be part of the military, part of something bigger than me. You know, I, I grew up watching John Wayne. I watched, uh, you know, uh, Rambo. Uh, he was an Army Ranger in uh, in in, Ram in Vietnam, I guess. Uh, Chuck Norris was part of uh, an organization called Delta Force, uh, where they were shooting like rockets off the front of dirt bikes and things like that. I was like, I want like I want to do something like that. Uh, I always knew I wanted to be part of the military and some elite portion of the military. I just didn't know what that really looked like. I was, maybe I would could be a Marine Corps scout sniper. I knew what those guys were. That sounded super cool. Uh, and they had really cool commercials when I was growing up, you know, uh, you know, we only had four channels growing up and of course there was no internet back in the day. I'm much uh, older than I look, but, uh, um, you know, and they were like fighting dragons with swords and shields and they had really cool uniforms and the Navy had the ugliest uniforms and there was a Naval Air Station near my town. And I was like, never in my life will I ever join the Navy. The end. Everyone in my family was in the Navy. I'm not joining the Navy. No way, no how. Um, I Because I never want to be on one of those ships. I don't want to wear dungarees. I don't want to wear the little Dixie cup 
hat thing. Yeah. Like, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and, uh, and so I went to this national jamboree again, I was heavily involved in the boy scouts. I was an Eagle scout, uh, before I was an Eagle scout, you know, because I was so involved in the boy scouts and I was poor, this, the boy scout, um, organization that I was a part of, they paid for me to go to this national jamboree. And so we went with us, uh, like a sister, uh, troop and I met a, another kid there and he was like, yeah, when I, you know, he was a really good swimmer. Uh, I thought I was a good swimmer until I actually started swimming. I thought I was a good runner until I actually had to run for real. But, um, and he was like, he's like, yeah, I, like I, I love swimming. I'm going to be a Navy SEAL when I grow up. And I also want to be an F-14 Tomcat pilot in the movie Top Gun 2 just came out. So that's kind of yeah. fitting. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. I, I know what an F-14 is. I, you know, we, we won like the, the, the first Gulf War through air power. I was like pretty motivated to be a part of that. Um, and then I'm like, well, what's a Navy SEAL? And he was like, oh, it's the most elite military force in the world. You know, the hardest training, la, 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 this and that. And I was like, where do I, where I, that's what I want to do also. Like, I want to be, you know, I could never imagine, you know, from like civil war before pre-civil war, uh, you know, guys getting online in a field and like shooting back and forth at one another. Like that just like blew my mind. I'm like, who would, who would do that? I want to be like last of the Mohicans and like ambushing people from the side and doing, you know, these quick, quick movements and like get in and get out fast. And so that's, that was sort of my mindset from like, from childhood, you know, playing capture the flag or whatever. And so I came back from that, that jamboree. This was my, the summer between my 11th and 12th grade of high school. And the Navy recruiter calls my house and he said, Hey, have you ever thought about joining the Navy? And I was like, man, I don't want to join the Navy but I want to be a Navy SEAL and I want to fly at 14 Tomcats. And so he's like, check, come on down here to the recruiting center. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a conversation. And we'll, your we'll, you know, they showed me a video. It was terrible. Like, but it was, it was, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Uh, like this SEAL recruiting video. I watched it. I'm like, yeah, where do I sign up? And how do I become an F-14 Tomcat pilot also? So, uh, and I was, you know, I was in reasonable shape, I thought. At least as far as you know the other the other kids in school i was an okay runner i didn't play sports because my grades weren't good enough my dad wouldn't let me play uh i later found out that i have like adhd and uh, some other learning disabilities but who cares about that uh you just uh i just thought i was not that smart of a kid and uh and i had to learn other ways i had to work harder and that was like a a, a reoccurring theme pretty much my entire life is i feel like i have to work harder than everyone else around me and that's okay once I accepted that, but I wasn't that accepting of it because it just seemed like everyone else, it was e like life was easy for everyone else. So I joined sure. the Navy, uh, I, in the delayed entry program, I graduated high school off the boot camp. I took the Navy, the seal screening test. And the, the problem that I had with it, like I was like, I think one of the first people out of the water on the swim. And then it was like swim, push ups, pull ups, sit ups and a run. And, uh, and I, I did the swim, no problem. I had, I started doing the pushups and the minimum score is 52. And my, the problem that I had was I was shooting for the minimum score, not whatever the maximum that I could possibly do. So I did like 35 pushups. I was like, Oh, I don't think I can do anymore. I don't think I can get to 52. And, uh, and so I failed it the first time I took it. And then I, you know, finished boot camp, And then I went to a school. I was a gunner's mate. And, uh, because my dad wanted me to be involved in electronics because he thought that was the future. And so I was like, gunner's mates, guns, that sounds cool. It has really almost nothing to do with guns or small arms. But uh, in six months of school, we did like five days of small arms and we didn't really barely touch them at that point. 
Um, and then I should have gone and taken the SEAL screening tests again while I was in that A school, but I didn't. Uh, we got towards the end of, of, of Gunner's Mate A school, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take the, you know what? I'm high enough in the class. I'll take these orders to this other school in, in uh, Damn Neck, Virginia, uh, Virginia Beach, for four months. I'll get in better shape, and then I'll go to, to Bud's. And what I didn't know because I didn't ask the right question or the right people is um, since I took those orders to that school in Virginia Beach, I had 24 months of obligated service to a ship in Yokosuka, Japan. So oh, when I went to go like take the screening test in Virginia Beach, they were like, why? They're like, hold on, let's we'll check on it. And then the instructors came back and they're like, yeah, sorry, bro. You took these orders. You're going to Japan. I'm like, well, what if I fail out of the school yet? Yeah, you're still going to Japan. And so not being a quitter, um, you know, off to Japan, I went, I spent my time on the ship. Uh, then when it was, you know, my, my, my nine month window, like this whole time I'm on the ship, I'm like prepping to go to Bud's, working out, doing what I need to do to go to Bud's. And, uh, and like at the nine month window, I call my detailer and I was like, Hey, I, I'm putting a package in to go to Bud's. He's like, that's great, but I'm not going to let you go because you're too critical to the Navy. What? What do you mean? He's like, you're because you took that school in, in Virginia Beach that you're NEC, you're 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 too critical to the Navy. You're more critical, in my opinion, to the Navy than what a Navy SEAL is. I'm like, but if I go to Bud's and I don't make it, then you get me back. No big deal. He's like, no, yeah. you're not going. And so I, I, I just I did my package. I did all the physical stuff. I passed the, P, the, the PT test. I passed the medical stuff. I did the die physical. I did all the stuff that you needed to do, submitted my package and uh, it just didn't go anywhere. And then I called the seal detailer. I'm like, hey, have you like, they're like, your detailer has to let you go before we can like cut orders for you. I'm like, oh, okay, check. And so I'm at like two months before I'm supposed to rotate. Still nothing. We get word that the chief of naval operations is coming to our ship in Yokosuka, Japan. So prime came, time opportunity. <laughs> he came, he came, <laughs> he came to our ship in Yokosuka, Japan. There's like 10 ships in Japan. He didn't yep. go to any other ship. He went to like, he had like big, like the, the base, uh, like CNO's call. And then he like left there and he came to our ship and he gave his vision of the Navy and whatever. And then asked if anyone had any questions. And I was like, yeah, over here. He calls on me and I was like, yeah, I, I joined. I like, first of all, I had no real idea of who I was talking to. People were like, sure. he's a common sense leader. He did all this stuff and that stuff. And he was great. No, and uh, but, you should ask him. But that's the, that's the key. As soon as your hand went up. You already know your chief was like, oh, sh what's going to happen? No, now? because I told Everybody's them, I told going, them what oh, I was going to do. I told okay, everyone what I, I, I told the CEO I was going to do. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I think helped is that, um, you know, I was a, a, a an E4 and this was before getting your ESWAS was, was mandatory. So as an E4, I got my, my, my ESWAS pin. And, and I, dude, I wore that, th I probably wore that thing more proud than I wore my Trident when I eventually became a SEAL, because when I got it, it wasn't mandatory. And there were chiefs and senior chiefs that didn't have theirs. And I was like, dude, look at me. I'm, yeah. and so because of that, I, I became the sailor of the quarter that quarter. Um, but so I, you know, I raised my hand. I'm like, yeah, I joined the Navy to become a Navy SEAL. I think I deserve a chance to go, but my detailer won't let me go. I totally threw that guy under the bus. He says, I'm too critical. I think I deserve a chance to go. What do you think? He turns to my commanding officer who I had already briefed that I was going to yeah. ask the question. And he was like, okay, go for it. And he so he turns, he said, turns to my commanding officer and he says, is he a good guy? 
And my CEO says, yeah, he was a sailor of the quarter this quarter, which for like your listeners that may or may not know this, it's like employee of the month or employee of the quarter. And so he's like, turns back to me, he's like, check, you'll be in the first class after your PRD, which is planned rotational date. Six weeks later, I'm off to California. So after the, the CNO's call, the, the Mac pawn came down and he took my social and he was like, yeah, the, uh, the, the easy part's done. I tried it. It wasn't for me. Good luck. And so that was pretty cool. I was like, oh, I, I met someone else who's been to SEAL training and didn't make it. So yeah. I have to make it. Like they're like to me, like yeah. everyone was like <laughs> depending on me to make it for whatever reason. And uh, and it was amazing like how many people told me that I would never make it. And I'm like, well, I didn't show up to not make it. So we're I I'm just gonna go. And so I, I got there, I found out that I suck at running in the sand, uh in the soft sand for sure. Uh I, I pretty much suck at running, period. I I'm not a great swimmer, but I'll get there. And and you know, it it was really hard. But I expected that and it was supposed to be hard. So so I eventually graduated, you know, six, buds is six months long and it took me a short 13 months to graduate that block of training. Uh, I got injured several times. Uh, you know, the second time I got injured, they were going to kick me out. But I was like standing there talking to like the second guy who's like, they're recommending you be you be gone. And I'm kind of leaning in that direction. I'm like, please don't let me go. Please don't kick me out. It took me like all this to get here. Like I had to ask the CNO to get permission. And if I leave, I may never have another opportunity to come back. La la la, whatever. He's like, go stand outside and I'll and I'll and I'll be right back. He was gone like four hours. <laughs> and then I'm standing outside like crying and all my crutches. And uh, and then he comes back like four hours later after meetings and all day it was like the end of the day and he's like what are you doing here and i said you told me to stand outside <laughs> he's like oh yeah, go yeah. check in over there and you'll be in the next class but if you get hurt again we're gonna kick you out i'm like check well i never healed up hours, whatever that injury was that though, right yeah and so i never healed and he, i don't he didn't maliciously like leave me out there he was like okay fine we'll just but i'm gonna go run the paperwork and they went from here to here to here like a bunch of other meetings and he came back he's like what are you doing here like I, I've already said that you could stay, um, but I didn't get that word until, you know, he came back four hours later. And so I didn't heal up, but I limped, I limped all the way through first phase through hell week. And then I had, you know, after hell week, I had stress fractures on my other leg. And so, but because I had passed that, you know, pinnacle of training, like this major milestone, they're like, they let me stay for one more class. And then I made it the rest of the way through. But that was, you know, one of the hardest things was actually getting rolled out of the class that I was in. And then eventually I got to the SEAL teams and then, you know, did a, you know, uh, seven combat deployments overseas, uh, retired, um, you know, retirement, I like to say is like the hardest military mission I've ever been on because, I you know, while I'm in the military, like I know what my mission is, I know what my purpose is, and I know who my team is. Like the second that you you that I that I retired, like I was really in denial all the way up until the end. I'm like returning emails on my BlackBerry on projects that I'm working on, like the day before I retire. And at some point, mm -hmm. I'm like, I guess you guys need this BlackBerry back. And so I'm like, okay, last email send. And then I retired, and then I was like, what? What? Like it was. For me, it was kind of like, you know, the movie, The Avengers, where Thanos like snaps his fingers with the rocks yep. or things and like half the world's population goes away. It was kind of like that for me. I was like, yeah, I had a, a mission. I had a purpose I had a team. I had I knew what I what my value was. And immediately all of that was gone. Like, well, I mean, that's, overnight. That, and that was it's interesting because. I don't think it matters who you talk to. Right. Like I everything you just said 
on getting out, right? Yeah. I'm like, yep, I was there. I was naive too. You know, I did the certain job I did in the military. We talked to people. I did a recruiting and, you know, being, being a Navy SEAL, I mean, that's the pinnacle of, of as a recruiter, even like that is the hardest job for us to fill in the Navy because it takes a special sure. person to do it. And it's not always the physical. A lot of times it could be the mental. You know, there's a lot of things that go into that, that we had to learn to recruit to that. But they're telling us like, oh, you're an HR guy getting out of the Navy, right? And then I, I applied for HR jobs and they were like, yeah, no, you're not qualified. I'm like, what do you mean? The Navy told me I was qualified to do this, but they prepared me to do my job well, but they didn't prepare me to get out like it. And it right. happens, which is why I like doing what I'm doing right now, because I can talk to people that have left service or even people that never served, but took, took the step to take a chance on themselves. And then they were successful. So it shows you that no matter what you do, you can succeed. But I, everything you were just saying, I was like, man, I'm a hundred percent there. I just was like, oh, no big deal. It, it's going to be great. Yeah. And I've had this conversation with several people a lot more recently. And, you know, I was asked like, what services does the military provide you for getting out? I'm like, they, it's Taps. a one week class of like how to write a resume and how to do a budget. Like there's yeah. not much else that comes out of that. Yep. Where yep. on the on the other side of it, when they bring you in, there's this entire indoctrination process, boot camp, you know, yep. assimilation, and then they they're training you, they're mentoring you, they're teaching you, they're giving you the <clears> path <throat> on like what they are expecting you and how to do it. All you got to do is follow yep. orders and like show up on time and do your job. You're going to be successful in the military. They don't prepare you to get out. There's like, and there's like everyone leaves. It's like everyone. Everyone is born. Everyone dies. Well, no one yeah, really yeah. prepares you to die. No one ever it's really prepares you to ending. get out of the military. Like, what's yeah. your next thing? What's the next? Yeah. And for people who are, you know, uh, maybe career military people, some of them are just like, I'm good. I'm going to like retire and like do what I'm not like a retire and like sit around kind of guy. I mean, retirement or E8 pay at 26 years is not very much money. It's like, you know, beer money, like a yeah. little like whatever. Like yeah, yeah. It doesn't even really barely get groceries or, or gas I, nowadays. I think that most people are naive, though. I think that that's kind of the thing, right? You join the military, you do your your career, you serve your country, and you do in each facet of what we did to serve our country, we all did it in a certain way. But I think that most people that get to that point, you know, there was always the talk, right? Oh, man, if you get to 10, you got to go to 20. And once right. you get to 20, you know, there's some cases where people like you get to 20, you got to go to 30. You know, like I retired because I wasn't willing to do what I knew I needed to do to be a master chief. Like I didn't, yeah. I was like, I'm done. I can't do, I'm done. I can't do that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm too far gone. And, to be a master chief. Yeah. yeah. And so for I, me, it yeah. was the, it was that writing on the wall, kind of like an athlete where an athlete will tell you, I know when it's time to, to hang it up. Like I knew I, it's, it's time to go. If I don't have the drive to go forward, you know, and what we did in the Navy is senior chiefs and chiefs and master chiefs, like it's the mid role, mid range of there, you know, you're developing people below you're developing the leadership of the Navy. And if you don't have the drive and the excitement to go to the next level, it's time to go. And so as I come out, I, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, how much different it is out here. You know, like <laughs> you said earlier, I wasn't joining the Navy because uh, of the uniforms and all that other stuff, right? Well, I told everybody I was never joining the military and I was a military kid. I mean, I went to MEPS and told the detailer when I decided to join, I'm like, hey man, uh, 
yeah, I want to join the Navy. Like, what do you want to do? I said, I'll do anything you got as long as it doesn't go on a ship. The guy was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Dude, you know you're here to join the Navy, right? I'm like, yeah, but That's I don't want to go Navy on a ship. Does, yeah. That's all the Navy yeah. cares about. Yeah. Big, great so they showed me, the yeah, they showed me the job card for EO, CBs. And they were like, I was reading the card. And then I can't, I don't even, I think I had Cook MS and I had a couple of others. And I was looking at them and I looked at that CB card and I was like, 75% land, 25% sea duty for a 20 year career. I'll take it. But I didn't yeah. even realize that it was a hundred percent land and you might go on a boat every once in a while. So it's like, yeah. you make the choices you go in and, you know, hearing you talk about the end of it is the thing that I talk to a lot of people about on the podcast or friends or people at the post for the VFW, the American Legion is like, yeah, I mean, if all of us can sit here today and say that we're prepared to do our job and protect our country, but we're not prepared to get out, like why hasn't anything been done about that yet? And so right. that's why, again, I enjoy doing what I'm doing right now because whether one or a million veterans hear it, they can see there's something different that they can do when they get out. There is success everywhere. Don't forget, we do still live in America. There is such thing as the American dream. And I mean, you coming from being in the Navy to getting out, you're on the other side of that American dream right now, right? Entrepreneurship and owning a company. But further from that, something that really helps people. So what what led you to, once you got out, deciding that doing something in the CDB space was the way that you wanted to go? So I, so I have, uh, I like to say that I have a lot of baggage. I have baggage from occupational hazards. I have baggage from not so awesome relationships. I have baggage from childhood trauma, whatever it is. We all have baggage, every one of us. Um, and it's how we kind of manage it and deal with it is sort of how we turn out, I guess, and how we, what some sort of habits that we have. And so because of, I, I have a lot of noise in my head, you know, a lot of voices, a lot of not like voices are saying, go, go do terrible things. It's just like, you know, internal, internal stress and anxiety that, you know, I would use alcohol and a lot of it to dole out that noise. And I knew like, this was like, while I was still in and after I transitioned and things just seemed to be worse because I was like, I'm grinding, I'm grinding, I'm grinding, and I'm not being successful. Like I think I should be, you know, if you build it, they will come. It doesn't really work like that. Uh, you gotta, there's a lot more steps in the middle of there. Um, and, and I was like, I was kind of running into brick wall and brick wall. And I was like, dude, why is this so terrible? And then other things were popping up. And, uh, and at some point I'd heard about CBD, it was still not federally legal. And, uh, you know, I still was active duty. I still maintained my top secret clearance. And I was like, I, I feel like I should try it, but I, I'm afraid of it. Number one, I'm a child of Nancy Reagan's war on drugs. Just say no. So drugs are bad and Okay and and stuff like that and you know really not knowing anything about anything but where i'd heard cbd was like on a podcast and the guy was talking about everyone knows about medical marijuana and and uh the the benefits of thc but there's this other molecule in the in the plant that you know it helps with stress anxiety and inflammation pain sleep all these other things and i'm like i probably need some of that and then he's like it's cbd and i was driving and i pulled out my notebook and i wrote it down and uh and i was like oh cbd like remember that later another day uh because i'm still active duty you know anything marijuana derived is you know that's a quick way out of the military you lose your security clearance and all this other stuff so 
I retired in 2018. Um, I still didn't try CBD until 2019 when I was in Virginia dealing with some stuff. And uh, I had lunch with a former teammate. And I said, you know, after, you know, after lunch, I think I'm going to see if I can go find some CBD. Maybe what you have in Virginia is better than what we have in Hawaii. And so he's like, if you want CBD, I've got some at home. He's like a Instagram influencer. So a company had sent him some stuff. So he gave me a bottle and, uh, and I tried it and I didn't notice anything really at all. Not until I finished the bottle and then, you know, I didn't take any more after that. But what I noticed is after I'd finished the bottle, I didn't notice like how good my quality of life became until I stopped taking it and I started getting worse again. So I went from like, I like to say water boils at 212 degrees. I was probably living at like 210 degrees. And after taking CBD over a little bit of time, I went from like 210 to 205 to 200 to 195 to 190, maybe 185. So my fuse got longer. I got out of that, that red zone where like little things would set me off. Um, you know, I could, I had a little bit better like self-talk. And uh, I wasn't depending on alcohol so much to, you know, turn down this noise in my head or dull out the noise in my head. And so I stopped taking CBD, but I didn't like notice it until like I started going back towards that boiling point. I was like, what's going on here? Why am I so anxious? Why is like my life seems so terrible all of a sudden? And so I tried That's a different brand. I had similar results. Right? What's that? I was going to say, you start to go back and go, okay. We were there, now we're here. What's the one thing that's changed, right? right. You always go back yeah. and deduce what's going on. And and, and maybe it's placebo. I don't know. So I've like, so I tried a different brand. I had similar results, and so now I'm very interested in the CBD industry. Uh, I'm like, I want to be a part of this. Like, maybe this is my new like mission, my new purpose, like to educate people and teach people and like something. Like, I don't even know that much myself. I just know like the benefits that I got from it. And so I met someone in the CBD industry and not like she was putting CBD into kinesiology tape. And, uh, and by the way, CBD only became legal federally in the passing of the, the farm bill of 2018. So December 20th of 2018 is when hemp became legal and that's when CBD became legal federally. So it's a, it's still a, a fairly new industry. Uh, it's still not FDA regulated, but I don't really care about FDA regulation because cigarettes and alcohol and all sorts of other stuff is, is regulated by the FDA. And that really means nothing. <laughs> and it's bad for you. Point. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can have so much rat poop in your whatever. And it's still okay by the FDA. Yeah. So, um, so, so I, I met this girl in the CBD industry and I was like, Hey, like really, I wanted her to hire me and I could help do whatever. And she was like, well, do you want to do A to B, B to B or B to C? And I was like, I don't know what those letters mean. I want to do C, B, D. And yeah. she said, okay, I got you. Why don't you start your own CBD company? And I said, I don't know how to do that. And she said, you are a Navy SEAL. You can figure it out. And so I asked her for my man card back. May I please have my man card back and put that in my pocket? She gave it to me. And then she like, you know, taught me a little bit about the industry. Uh, and then I started digging into it. I found out it's extremely dirty. So, you know, very corrupt and like everyone's like get rich quick. And there's a bunch of crap out there in the, in the industry. So my goal, my new mission was like, okay, start my own company and, and sell the highest quality product to the market. Awesome. So I did, I, I found like the highest quality suppliers, you know, the QA is like top, like above, like any of the biggest brand names that you've probably heard in the CBD industry, our QA is higher. Um, so much that, you know, the suppliers that I, that I use, the other big players have actually it raised the bar in like 
QA in, in what in what they're doing. So we were some of the first to partner with with these suppliers that had the highest quality truly in the in the in the industry. Uh, and then I was like, okay, so everyone has a premium quality CBD. What's my new mission? And so I looked at myself, I like where I came from, the 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 experience that I had from CBD, from you know my transition from the military to civilian life, uh, all the baggage that I was carrying around. And then I, you know, found I came across the the number that 22 veterans take their lives every single day. We've lost more veterans to suicide than we have in 20 years of sustained combat in two theaters of war. I've lost yeah. lots of friends to both combat and to suicide. And so I actually lost my dad, who was a veteran, to suicide. So that became our mission at Naked Warrior Recovery is is 22 to zero to eliminate yeah. veteran suicide. And you know, we talk about you know I, I'm speaking specifically to veterans, but you know, I, first responders are exactly the same way. I couldn't like a year or two ago, there's no way I could do that job. I would be, yeah, I couldn't do it because of the, the things I was seeing in the media and like things that my friends who were first responders were experiencing in the street. I was like, bro, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't do it. I would not be able to. Um, yeah. so, so that's really what we're doing. We're, you know, CBD was a modality that helped me it's a modality that has helped everyone. Like not everyone, it doesn't help everyone. Um, sometimes you have to like want it a little bit or be a little bit self-aware. Like I didn't notice anything when I was taking it the first time. Now I notice it when I don't take it. That's really where it kind of came up. It was like, well, I mean, it's, is like that... it's not what you feel. It's what you don't <laughs> feel anymore. But is that like, uh, I don't know, just call it. That's the, that's the point, right? Kinda, and anything that you do that's going to help you, as long as you're doing those things that help you work out every day, or if you're taking the CDB, like you know, it's like it's supposed to be, or whatever. Like the moment you stop any of those things that are good for you, you notice that they're good for you because then you go back to the part that's bad. Like I right. feel bad right now. Like what's going on? It's kind of like I got to work tomorrow. You go out drinking all night, you're gonna have a headache. But if you went to you're bed on time, time be, yeah. You yeah, would yeah. be good to go. And so it's like you, it, it's, it's a whole part of learning how that works. And I mean, that's just the, it, it, I don't know. There's a lot of times when you look at the 22 each day, which I'm sure if anybody went back and we looked at that with the coronavirus pandemic that went down and stuff like that. It, I think it the might number actually, I've, I've seen data where it's 26. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's the, the worst part is, there's a lot we could do to fix it and you're doing a lot to fix it. But the problem is that, uh, and a lot of times things like that is like, you know, people don't want to talk about it. You don't want to yeah. talk about it cause it's bad. And yeah. if it's bad, we can't have a discussion on it. But at the end of the day, why are people doing it? Well, here's the first reason, whether they're a first responder or a police officer, like I, or a, a first responder being a police officer, firefighter, a dispatcher, believe it or not, their stress yep. level is out the roof because they're the first person. EM, that EMTs. I did EMTs. a podcast yesterday with a guy who was an EMT. He was like, "Dude, I saw stuff that bad." Believe. I'm like, like I had more, fire. like more experience of like those things than I did in combat, for sure. And so when you group all those people together, you know, I, it, something that anybody can do to help them is is great. But all we really want to do is be against them. There's a problem. There's something that you, right. that, that, that they can't do this or that. And you made me feel bad. And, you know, when I look at, you know, we both, like you retired in 2018, I retired in 2019, which means we 
joined right around the same time. Yep. And I mean, back then, yeah, there was there some stuff that people did that was inappropriate to help you learn how to do the job correctly? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I felt I was held accountable and I felt like I wasn't in control when I was at the lower level. And I've seen a lot of guys that I've served with that are now in those higher points of, of, of leadership in the chief's mess and equivalent across other services. I don't even know how they hold people accountable nowadays. I don't know how they can do it because people under have, you know, it's like kids calling child protective services. Right. Right. Like they're going to call it because they got yelled at by their parents. And we think it's a great idea because the parents disciplining the child for doing something wrong to take the child from the parents. They can go to another parent and do just as much wrong and get worse. And then we wonder why we've got this huge cycle of problems going on. And it's like there's right. no accountability, you know. And if we would just talk about stuff like that, it would be better. Right. And yeah. and go look back at the military. Right. You know, it's 26, probably a day from what you've seen. They say 22. I think a lot of that number is people kind of on the outside of the military where you see that because inside the military, we're taught if you see something that's not right immediately you don't leave, you stay around that person, talk to that person and you make sure they get help. Even if it's a right. false alarm, we don't even care. Yep. We want to take care of them. And once we get out, that's what you were, we were talking about earlier. We get out. Well, where is that? Now I got to yeah. hope I can go to the VFW. I hope the American yep. Legion's right down the corner. DAV is there. I'm hoping that I'll pass by a veteran that will see me and see that I'm not who I normally would be, you know? And so it's, Yep. It's hard. You're taken away from a community that's loved you for a long time and that you've become a tribe to. And now you're going into a world that you just don't understand. People don't understand us coming out and how we talk or how we communicate. And so because yep. both of those people can't get together, like that's where the hard part is. And I wish we could do a better job at teaching the outside of the military world that like you may call it managing people. I call it leading people. You think yeah. that just hoping they're okay is good management? Me making sure they're okay and asking if everything's okay at home and are you on a good track and do you feel okay today? Is there anything I can do to help you out? That intrusive leadership is what I learned. Yep. That's how I took yep. care of people. Intrusive so leadership, hard for, leadership, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to see the opposite of that when you get out and go, man, this person is this high up here. And they don't care. Like I don't understand. Right. You know? It's 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 confusing. Yeah. It. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. Know. And and you know, there's there's no guidance or direction. You know, the the other thing yeah. about you know getting out of the military is you're no one's holding you accountable anymore. I know. So you have to lead yourself. You have to believe it or not. That sucks. Self accountable. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does. Sucks. And you know, I I was sort of the same way and. I was trying to build a business and it was not the CBD business. It was another thing. And I was like, I just want to go surfing. All I want to yeah. do is surf right now. And that was, even though that was a healthy thing for me to do mentally and physically, it was not a healthy thing for me to do mentally for my company, which affected yeah. my physical, physicalness. And, but I also didn't have the education, like, like they don't, number one, they don't teach you how to run a business in, uh, in the military. They kind of like, you have a budget and you can maybe sort of buy some pens and pencils or whatever, maybe yeah. some new equipment, or this is how much your travel budget is, you know, go whatever. 
manage a budget sort of i pass that off to the jos and let them all right how much do we have let's okay and then we manage it from there you know yeah. do it like when it's all you and nothing like what how yeah no like, yeah no one no one taught marketing no one taught sales no one taught any of that stuff in the military they kind of yeah. did when i go back and look at it they kind of did like if we want to sure. go do a mission you have to sell that mission if you want a new piece of equipment you have to sell why that equipment is like why the command needs to spend a bunch of money to buy this thing uh widget yeah, so or whatever it is briefings is marketing right yep. we just don't realize like you send up hours building this presentation on why what you want to do is a good idea yeah because you're like it's gonna work but you're right and that's what i meant earlier about like your management is our leadership and your marketing is our briefing and we're speaking yeah. the same language we can do the same thing we there was just no one like showing yeah. me the, the path to get there you know they yep. they indoctrinate us bringing us in but they don't indoctrinate us like you know oh and it's like they give you like, the they give you the free flow rain when you're in like when you're in that in in the mess right like we're you're 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 leading change like you're helping below you're helping above and you're pushing yep. the navy forward and if you've got some good chiefs in the mess and they've got great ideas and they've got great you know uh power behind what they're doing or 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 motivation <laughs> the navy's like all right Go. go do it. And nope. then it comes out and it changes and you've, you've helped things. And, you know, I realized really quick, it's not the way to roll on the outside. You start getting motivated and stuff like that. Then you start to see the real lack of teamwork and family. That's yeah. not in the military because you hear down the road, you know, not, and, and again, the problem is that I don't care if you recognize my idea. I don't care if I get an award. I don't care if I get a shout out. But what I do care is that somebody that has nothing to do with it or has you know malicious intent takes credit for all the stuff that we just right. built together in this room because they want job security. Like really, yeah. like you're that yeah. hard up. You know that's the. And part that was that one of the me. one of the biggest lessons I learned in in the in the military or in the Navy specifically was you know as a leader my job. And a lot of people didn't agree with it until they saw it later was to train my replacement. Yep. You, my, my job as a leader is to train my replacement. Like I need to train you, train myself out of a job. Yep. Because when I'm replaceable now, I, you know, there's another job over here for me. I, I just and, talked about the same thing a couple days ago on another podcast I recorded. And it was with someone that was never in the military. It was an entrepreneur that built uh, her own business. And as she was talking about how she built it and then having to trust people around her to help her, I was like, oh, all you're doing is just training people to yeah. replace you. And at yeah. first she was like, but I don't want nobody to replace me. I'm like, yes, you yes. do. Yes, you do. Because yeah. if they replace you, now how much time do you have to go after the bigger things yep. that are ahead of you? 100%. But right. that's like that, that's that, you know, and, and we don't talk, we certainly don't talk about it in the military. It, it's not in the SEAL teams for sure, because we're, we're forward leaning and we're always like pushing the yeah. envelope. But, you know, it, I've, because I do coaching in, in the corporate world now on mindset and leadership and things like that, you know, there's so many people that it's that, that, that scarcity mindset. Like if I, and that was like the, the conversation that you just had, you're like, if, if I train someone to replace me, what's my value now? Well, your value is you're really good at training people to replace your job and you can now move up in the organization or now you can like focus yep. your time. You like these people are taking like 80% of your uh, workload so you can focus on 
take that 80% and, and focus it over here. Like, you know, you can, in, in the corporate world or leadership world, when I'm training like corporate leaders, I'm like, yeah, that whole decentralized command and control that we do in the military. Like I train someone how to do this thing and I say, go get it. And if you need help, let me know and have that good two-way communication. But once I've trained you on how to go do that, I don't have to like micromanage you. You go do that and I can focus on like the big picture of things. Yep. After you've shown me once or twice, you got it. Now I'm just yeah. waiting to see the report come in and I never ask about it again. And people are like, you yeah. do that? Like, yeah, like he knows what he's doing. Why would I sit here <laughs> and watch him do it? Ask him how he's doing it. Make sure he does it. And then still have to go do my job. No, 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 no. He's got right. it. I can go do but, this. You know, there help it, everybody. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. Like you, we, we get it, but there are so many people out there. They're like, no, no, my, like I, I need all the, like, it's, um, like, I, I guess kind of like a Napoleon syndrome, like I'm small person syndrome. Like I need to like show everyone that how awesome I am because I actually have low self-esteem my own self. Well, I think it's, they're creating a single point of failure. Like without me, yeah. none of you would be able to do anything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what you don't realize is the more people you train and bring up, that is what really makes you irreplaceable. This is the is more the value. Yeah. That you you're that you're more valuable that way. But yeah, yeah, people don't see it that way. It's like the scarcity mindset and it's, yeah. it, it's a real thing, but you know, it's yeah. I mean, so walk me through, like, I, I'm interested to know, like you said that you, you went and found suppliers and like the highest quality people and you were doing it. Can you walk like us and everybody through, like, cause I like to hear the journey to get here right? Like, how did you go out and find these people? How did you, like, what was the process to figure out this is how we want to do it? This is what we're going to make, like the creative yeah. process behind that as much as you can share, because I'm sure there's a lot that you can't, but I mean, they, well, it, you know, I started with Google, how to start a CBD company, like late at night, whatever. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to figure it out. So, uh, Google, professor Google, how do you start a CBD company? Send. And then it, like I got YouTube videos and, and, and podcasts and, uh, articles and blogs and all this other stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay. And so I just started educating myself. And then from there I started reaching out to supply, like people who like made videos or people who like wrote articles or people who were, I just like reached out. I'm like, let's talk, talk to me about your process. Talk to me about this, talk to me, about educate, educate, educate. And then from there, I was able to like, okay, do, then I was able to, I was smart enough to ask hard questions. Do you do this? Do you do this? What kind of extraction do you use? Do you use like all these other things? And they were like, um, this is why. And so when we create something, um, our products, we do, not only do we test the, the oil that comes out of the plant when it first comes out at an independent third-party lab to make sure that it doesn't have any toxins, it doesn't have any you know, heavy metals, mercury, arsenic, lead, things like that, any pesticides. It doesn't have any like mold or mildew or anything like that. Then we convert it into a product, whether it's a tincture that you put under your tongue, uh, a, you know, a, a pet treat, a topical, um, a, a, a pill, whatever it is. And then we test it again at the, on the backside of it to make sure that it, um, you know, there was no contamination that happened somewhere in the manufacturing process. And also to make sure that uh, what you're putting, what we put on the label is what you're putting in your body. Because, you know, if you, you can audit almost any CBD company out there and very few will put the independent 
lab testing on their website. And most of them, they will only put like one, like they did independent lab testing once upon a time. And it's not even a product that they're carrying. Like (laughs) we do every single product, every single batch of product. So, and I have been a little lazy on updating, keeping the website super up to date, but we do do a QR code on every product and you can scan the QR code, put the lot number of what, you know, what you have in there on, you know, in, in the, in the website. And you can see all the independent lab third-party tests that have been done and what is actually in the product that you're, that you're taking. And if there's a product, you know, we get something. So our energy drink is really one of the hardest things that we do because it's like getting the formulation to be perfect in every single packet or every single thing. Uh, it doesn't always work out. So then we end up having to scrap like a, a bunch of products that it's, mostly good but it doesn't have exactly what we say it has in it so we end up scrapping it so that just one of the things that sets us apart where other companies and i've seen them do it because i know people in the companies i know people in the industry and they're like yeah we just go ahead and sell it anyway we sell it at a discount saying it doesn't have this or that or whatever and we don't do that we just like only only you know we only say if we only sell what we say we're selling the end no but i mean that's great because that shows people that you know, you carry the same thing that you, one, wanted to be a part of as a young man. Right. Became a part of as a young man, blood, sweat, and teared for alongside many great people, and then come out on the back end to just go against all that. You still continue right. to do it today. Right. And it's just it's amazing. Yeah. And, and it, you have it. You have it. And no, and, and again, joining the Navy, really young in the Navy. My first chief told me there's only two things people can take from you, son. Your life and your integrity. That's it. Yeah. They can take those two because your life can be taken, your integrity can be taken. But everything else, you control how that runs out, right? How you react to yep. something or the answer you give, the effort you put into something or whatever it is. Like your life can be taken. It, it just can. And your integrity. Those two things you kind of don't have a control of because they're going to happen, right? But, you know, you you have to make sure that you keep the highest amount of that. So as long as you keep your integrity intact, Nobody, you know, they can't, they can't mess with it. And so I think that the hardest thing that I see is, you know, when you, when you read through all these things, right, you guys have an independent testing for everything that you do. Yep. Who else is going to do that? I think yeah. a lot of people think that's too much work. Yeah. And it costs money to do that. Yeah. And what if, you know, it doesn't turn out the way that we wanted it to, what are you going to do with the product then? And then the, then you have, the willingness you're, you're to get rid of it and not questions. sell it. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so. truly a, a picture of you're not out there just to make money off of something. It's yeah, showing that 100%. you want people to have the right thing that are going to give them the right results. And if you didn't care about that, then you just sell it. But the fact something like this, that I'm sure it's very expensive to produce. It hurts probably to get rid of it. It hurts. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it hurts you know, more if we, it's not we, yeah. what it's intended to I, be. I won't share some of the numbers, but yeah, some of the numbers are <laughs> kind of big. And I was like, oh, oh probably okay. get a lot of people indigestion. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, for, for like, you know, it's yeah. Yeah. So going for forward, like, it over here. going forward from where you're at now, what, um, what are some of the things that you guys are doing now? Like maybe that's around the country or things that people can be a part of. Is there any way that you know, let's say someone doesn't necessarily want to use the product. Can they still help you guys? Can they still donate to maybe some things that you guys are a part of? Like, how can people help even if they can't 
you know, or don't want to anyway, purchase the product? I would say, you know, first of all, you know, just spread the word, share, you know, it, like I have a lot of customers. I just ran out of some super greens that I have uh, that I was selling for a while. I have more later because not everyone's into CBD, but they're like into health and wellness and things like that. Uh, but also the other side of the naked warrior is, is, you know, I have a, a coaching leadership mindset, you know, a company where I, you know, I get on stage and I speak about, you know, how CBD helped me. And I, and I talk about the get naked mindset and, and I have to go quickly because I have a coaching call <laughs> funny enough, like in like five minutes. So I have to go, I'll go really quickly on this piece of it. Uh, cause my calendar owns me and my calendar yeah. just told me like, you got, you got to go. But, um, um, so, you know, I have the, what I call the get naked mindset. And really what that is, is about oftentimes we, all of us, all of us go through life and we wear some sort of ego, some sort of armor, because we don't want to get hurt along the way. In the SEAL teams, we put our armor on to go into harm's way. And sometimes it comes in really handy that we had it. And then we come back, we take our armor off, we hit the showers, we rest, we recover, we get ready for the next mission. In life, we don't do that. In life, we end up wearing, you know, armor or baggage. I call it baggage a lot of times. I don't call it PTSD because we all have some sort of baggage, whether it's from, again, you know, occupational hazards or childhood trauma or terrible relationships or whatever it is. And then that weighs us down. And then we, you know, we just carry it around because, you know, how do you boil a frog one degree at a time? Like eventually you don't know that you're in that, you know, you're in that frog in that boiling water. And that's the way I was when I was taking CBD, like in the beginning, I was like, I didn't like, it, it comes on gradual. And then all of a sudden we're like, we have no idea how terrible the world is around us until we get some relief. And then when it's like terrible again, it's like you pull that frog out of the water and then you put him back in the exact same temperature water. He's going to hop out. It's like, no way. That's not cool. And yeah. th the same thing was, you know, it happens to us when we, but we have to be willing to like take that ego off, take that armor off, take that baggage off in order to find, you know, to become vulnerable, to find some of that, that healing that we need. And so that's part of get naked mindset and naked is also a, uh, an acronym and the acronym is, is naked and it stands for never quit, accept failure. The K is kill me, the awkward, the E is expose your fears and the D is do the work. And that's something you have to do every single day. And they're, they're not like, they don't stand independent of one another. They all kind of work synergistically with one another. And, and, and so that's a lot of the message that I share when, you know, when I get on stage and, and speak around the world. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely have to, to run. Uh, yeah, no, I was going to say that I we could come it. back and do a round two at another date. Uh, I but am yeah, but I'm ready just whenever. Me. Ready whenever. I appreciate you being on. Thank you so much. And, yes, sir. Uh, I appreciate I, you. I know that people are going to get a lot from what you talked about today and and i can't awesome. wait to share more i I'm, i can't wait thank you yeah i think yeah definitely we should set up a round two yes sir awesome